Welcome once again. Once again, we're excited to have you with us again, whether you're in the house or joining us online today. Man, it's just a, a great, beautiful day. Isn't it? Don't you just love uh, Amarillo weather? You just get to enjoy all the seasons in one week. It really is a, an amazing thing. So anyway, hey, I'm super excited that the guest that is with us today, uh, Dan Bouchot and I have been friends for about 34, 35 years. He was actually my youth pastor way back in the day uh, when we were in the Dallas area. And um, the, there's lots of things that I really love about this man, but probably two of my favorite things are, first of all, his heart for student ministries. Um, he, he loves young people, has a passion to see God change young people, um, but also his, his passion for discipleship, to see people actually continue in their walk with Jesus Christ. It's so easy for followers of Christ to get saved, and we kind of get stuck at that initial baby stage, and we never walk in the fullness of life that God has for us. And so they're probably two of my favorite things about him. I love being around him. Iron sharpens iron. I, get a, uh, I got to spend a few days with him here, and I'm looking forward to even actually next couple of days he's going to spend some time with our staff. And so I want to ask you to give a warm emerald of welcome to Pastor Dan Bouchot as he comes to bring us the word this morning. Good morning, buddy. Good morning. What a beautiful day. Great day to be in the house of the Lord, good to worship and worship with you this morning. I have been really excited to come since Richie and I, Pastor Richard and I connected um, a few months ago. And uh, to be able to be here and to be with you and to share what God's laid on my heart for you this morning. I believe that when we come into God's house, when we leave this place this morning, we should be different. And when we walk out those doors, that's when it really starts to happen. And so I want you to understand that this morning. And I also believe that we'd, every Sunday or every time we come together is an important time. And so I appreciate Pastor Richie allowing me to have his platform today. And I've so excited to be able to be here and spend time with Pastor Richie and Pam, family, that, um, you know, I, I look at the kids, I, I look at the boys, and I see Richie, okay, when he was with me in Dallas years ago. And um, I believe that God has done some amazing things in this place but you're just getting started, right? So what I want to do this morning, I I just, I want to show you my wife. I've been married to my wife for 45 years. And we have two kids, and so we have two kids and we have six grandkids. And so these are my kids and our family, and then this is our grandkids. 
And so we had five girls before we had a boy, okay? And let me tell you, that little guy, he's a tough cookie. I am excited, but when I leave my family and I go and I speak, there's a purpose. I just don't go just to go. I go because I believe God has called me to that place for that moment. John 1, 6 says, there was a man sent of God, and this morning, it's Dan. And I want to share with you this morning some things about change. I watched last night as Coach K had his last huddle. After 42 years, had his last huddle with his team when they were trailing, I think, by four points. Any basketball fans here? Anybody see that? Did anybody see that last huddle? Or were you in bed? But that last huddle, after 42 years, after 42 years of engaging, coaching, watching young men change from what they were when they came in to his program to when they left to where they have gone in life in 42 years. See, I look and I go, back 30-some years, and I see where Pastor Richie's come from. And friends, that's exciting. Because change is an exciting thing. And this morning, I looked up this last week, and I, I, I just did a little research on change. And what people are looking to change and ways they're looking to change. And the first one is reprogram your mind to stay positive. That's pretty good. Set your alarm early so you can get up and spend more time before you rush off to your day. Clean up immediately after yourself. That's a good one. Any kids here, any parents here going, that's a good one. Clean up after, well, actually, some of the wives are going, that's my husband. <laughs> Don't overcommit. Don't be so predictable. How many people like to be a little unpredictable? How many just like it, just like, Poo, it better be this way, and if it's not that way, I, get, I just get nervous. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're all that. We're, we're, you know... The other thing is swap complaining and start expressing gratitude. These are good. What about this? Stop complaining and comparing yourself with other people. These are good. But what happens if I told you, I want to challenge you to do three things so that you can control two things so you can be great at one thing. How many want to know what that would be? Okay. Find your purpose. After you find your purpose, align your priorities. 
so that you can reach your potential. And then after you've done that, you want to control two things in your life. Your time. We all get the same amount of time. Control your time and your activities. Why? So you can be great at one thing. You. And the person that God created you to be. Those are good, right? But this morning, I want to give you four things. And the title of my message this morning was Four Things That Can Change Your Life. But as I started thinking about these four things, I changed my message title to Four Things That Will. There's no can will change your life. Father, in these next 30 minutes, I pray that you will give me the words, the anointing, to challenge your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing is to know God. To know God. Daniel, the 11th chapter, verse 32 says, the people who know their God will be strong and do great exploits. You want to change your world? Learn to know your God. I had a video, but I'm not going to show it, of people that are talking about God. And whether you're in the Bible Belt or you're in a a place where I live in Minneapolis, Minnesota. People are talking about God in a lot of different ways. And if I was to run that video right now, you would hear people talking about God that's a lot different than what we would be talking about God about right now. But honestly, friends, that's the real world. You're rubbing shoulders with them every single day. And they're people in your world. But you need to know your God. See, God has many names, am I correct? He's our righteousness. And we've understood that. We, we understand that God is our righteousness, right? He's our sanctifier. He's in the process in our life. It's a process that we go through of growing and changing, becoming more Christ-like. He's our peace. I love Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says, be anxious about nothing, but with prayer and petition and thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And then what happens? The peace of God that transcends all your understanding will guard your heart and your mind. The God I'm talking about this morning is our peace, but he's also a God that is our provider. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Oh, man. 
He's our banner. He's our shepherd. Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. We need that, friends. We need to know who God is. But he's our healer. He's our healer. I don't know if Pastor Richie remembers, but when my wife was in Dallas, Texas, she had rheumatoid arthritis. The doctors at Baylor University told her that by the time she was 40, she'd be in a wheelchair. My wife, we believe God and we trusted God and we, we believe that God could heal and be our healer. We weren't even supposed to have our son, but in God's providence. One day when she was, couldn't, pick up a, couldn't pick up a carton of milk, my brother-in-law in Dallas lived with us. My daughter was a baby. My brother-in-law used to get my daughter out of the crib and bring them to Rachel. You probably didn't know how bad she was. She was going into Baylor University, and she was seeing people that were all crippled up with rheumatoid arthritis. They wanted to start her on a gold program, which was very expensive, and she'd be on the rest of her life. But we believed. We kept believing. We didn't know what what God was going to do, but we knew that God was going to see us through, my friends. But I remember one day when she told me that she had picked up a gallon of milk Without even thinking, she picked up a gallon of milk. And God healed her. For years, for 30-some years, she has worked in retail. Now she's a flight attendant and flies hours a day on an airplane and is on her feet all the time. You guys need to give God praise this morning because God is our healer. Who's God to you? See, I just just told you about my wife, and 13 years ago, I had a heart condition. I went to the hospital, and my heart had gone down. My ejection fraction, the blood being pumped through my body was 10%. But God has healed me. I'm stronger than I've ever been. And I believe God has a little bit more for me to do. And so I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. He's our healer. But on top of that, he's omniscient. On top of that, he's omnipresent. And on top of that, he is omnipotent. He's all-powerful God. And that's the God that I know. Paul says it this way. I want to know Christ. I want to know him experientially, becoming more thoroughly acquainted with him, understanding the remarkable wonders of this person more completely. 
And in the same way, experience the power of resurrection which overflows from an inactive believers, that I may share in the fellowship of his sufferings, be made continually conformed into what he wants me to be. Ephesians 3.20 says this, and I want you to remember this. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, immeasurably more than you can ask, think, dream, plan, or even imagine. The God in you, working in you, gives you the ability to dream big dreams, to accomplish great things, to climb many mountains with God. For with God, my friends, you can do anything who gives strength to you. The second thing that will change in your life and make a difference is if you grow in God. See, we want to grow financially. We want our portfolios to grow. We want to grow educationally. We want to grow physically. We want to grow in our family. We, there's so many ways that we desire to grow. But what about your spiritual growth? If I was to ask you, are you different than a year ago if you've been a believer? And I, I remember, you know, a lot of times, you know, I, I grew up as a preacher's kid, and I remember a lot of times that my dad would say something in a Christmas Eve service of saying, you don't want to be the same next year as you are this year. First Peter 2.2 says, like newborn babes, you are to crave the spiritual milk so that you can grow up and you can experience salvation. And he says, cry out for nourishment. We know what babies, we know, we know that cry, that hunger pain. See, our relationship with God produces growth, God-likeness, character in our lives, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. But also, it produces godliness. And godliness is that personal attitude you have to God that results in actions. 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter, and verse 8 says, Train yourself to be godly, for physical training has some value, but godliness has value both for this life and the life to come. I try to stay active. I've been, I've called myself an athlete all my life. I've been pretty active, played a lot of sports. I'm a golfer now, so I play still, I call that a sport. I love that sport. It's the only thing I'm really good at. But I still go to a gym and work out. And 
when I go to the gym and work out, I'm, you know, doing my thing and, and lifting my weights and going through my reps, and I look over and I see, like, these monsters. You know what I'm talking about? The ones that go, you know what I'm talking about? Every gym has one of those. I mean, it just takes one. You're in a gym and you're, you know, you're working out and you're having your time, all of a sudden you hear this loud, you know, it's like, okay, I, I, you don't even have to do that. I already know that you, what you look like. And in that process, they, you know, they, I go in and, you know, work my arms and do, you know, do a little cardio. And, I mean, they're in one day and all they're doing is working their biceps. That's, that's it. I mean, that's, that's just bicep day. Come on, Daniel, you know what exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> one day they're in working their legs. And a lot of times I see these guys with, you know, big biceps, but their legs are like skinny little rails. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You see them too? They never wear shorts, I promise you. It's just like, I, I don't know if they go to the beach. I, I have no idea. But one day I was in, I was in working out, and um, uh, I was in the gym, but I was, I was in the basketball court. And these two guys, you guys just flip this picture up if you would. These two guys, Jared and Josh. And Jared was a, a kid that I had met in the gym. One day he had cones down, and he was doing drills around the cones. And I was across the gym, and I looked over, and I saw him, and, and I walked over to him, and I said, hey, Jared, have you ever I didn't know him. I went over and introduced myself, and I said, have you ever seen yourself do that? And he goes, no. I said, well, I have my camera and I shot it and I did what I do to a lot of kids and a lot of people. I said, hey, let me send that to you. Give me your cell number and I'll send it to you. Well, we formed this friendship. The little guy right there, his name's Josh. And Josh was his little buddy and Josh was in the gym one day and and he, he was just shooting around and I went over and I asked him, I said, Josh, can you shoot free throws? And he goes, yeah, I can shoot free throw. I said, you shoot, and I'll rebound. Well, he proceeded to make 75 in a row, okay? Now, Neil Brown is the only one that ever made more than I did when we did this game. And Richie was reminding me the other day that Neil made, I made like 95 in a row, and Neil made like 96. He beat me by one. <laughs> But anyway, Josh and I begin to have a friendship, and then with COVID hits, and, and I, I don't see him for two years, and then I run into him in the gym the other day. And this is Josh now. So Josh is, on the left is Josh, okay? And then he decided he's going to be a, a trainer. And now he looks like this. You see, Josh, that didn't just happen. I, I, I actually texted him and I said, Josh, how'd you get to be like that? He said, well, I'm consistent in the gym. Okay? I have purpose when I go. 
You just don't get to look like that. It takes discipline to look like Josh. You see, friends, growing in God is not just about the religiosity, the rituals, and the rules, but it's about your relationship with God that's growing. I told you I was married 45 years ago, but when my bride walked down that aisle and I saw her coming, when she got down front, I said, oh, you look beautiful and I love you. And then I sang a song to her. It seems I always loved you. I knew somehow, my dear, that we would stand together as we are standing here. I loved her. But if I was to tell you I loved her like I did when she was my bride walking down the aisle 45 years later, you would go, huh? You love her the same? After all the things you've been through and kids and grandkids and houses and moving and different churches you served in and starting an organization, a nonprofit organization called Allies Ministry, you, you love her the same? No, I don't love her the same. I love her more. And my friends, I'm telling you this morning, you cannot stay the same. See, to to grow means to change. And when you grow, you will change, just like Josh. But the challenge is there's an enemy that's doing everything he possibly can to keep you complacent. John 10.10 says, a thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief, he's not out just to bump you around a little bit. He's out to kill. He's out to destroy you. And if he could get you to be the same as you were last year, last week, last month, he's got you. <coughs> But John 10.10 says, I've come. He's come to give you life that's full, abundant, and free. The third thing is to go for God. Know God, grow in God, and go for God. I've been listening this morning, and I was watching the video on Because of you. Because of you is not just a slogan. Because of you is a reality. Mark 16, 15 says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go share your story. Acts 1, 8 says, You receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you to be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We're really good at the uttermost parts of the world sometimes, but we're not real good at Jerusalem. 
I want you to fast forward with me. My relationship with Josh. I meet him in the gym one day. He's, he's there with his buddies. He's working out. I'm working out. And I see him. We connect. I invite him to go to Granite City with me. <coughs> A restaurant. And him and his buddy Shane show up at the restaurant with me. We start talking about life and our stories, and we start sharing with each other. And I'm asking about lifting and working out and just trying to find that common ground with them. And I shared my story of my health with them, kind of caught them up to where we were at on that whole journey. And I had one purpose taking him there. It's because I wanted to tell him about Jesus. So we did all that. And then, can you play that video? Hey, it's Josh Gray. It's February 21st. And my whole life has really changed. Different mindset, open to God, connection. I don't know. A lot of stuff just felt right tonight. Did you ask you, Jesus to come into your heart? Yeah, I did. Have you ever done that? No. That's so awesome. I am so excited for you, Josh. Remember, it started with a picture in a gymnasium. Last fall, I had the privilege of going to my cousins and being part of the harvest. And I saw the urgency of the harvest, and I saw what it takes. I saw the excitement to bring it in. I saw the labors to bring in the sugar beets. They have worked 12 hours a day, seven days a week, because they only get a short amount of time to get sugar beans in. Every night, they have two tractors and two drivers, a beet topper, a beet lifter, seven semi-trucks and trailers and drivers, and one tractor to pull the truck through the field if it's muddy. The urgency of harvest. Luke 10.2 says, Jesus told them the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest to thrust forth labors into the harvest field. And then the next part of the verse says, Go, I'm sending you. See, people need the Lord. Every day they pass me by. I can see it in their eyes. Empty people filled with care, headed who knows where. On they go through quiet pain, living fear to fear. Laughter hides their silent cry that only Jesus hears. People need the Lord. We are called to take his light to a world where wrong seems right. What could be the greatest cost for sharing life with one who's lost? Through his love, our hearts can feel all the grief they bear. We must hear the words of life. They must hear the words of life only that we can share. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. At the end of broken dreams, he is the only door for people need the Lord. 
Know God. Grow in God. Go for God. And be a ripple starter. Oh my goodness. That was, what was that? See, I grew up in the church. You can play that video. And there's two things that we're called to do, right? Share our story. Make disciples. But all my years in the church, those are the two lacking things that we do. Why? The world right now needs your story in your world. Do you understand that? And there's somebody that needs to hear it. I don't care how spiritual you are. I don't care how trained you are. You can tell your story like I told my story to Josh and Shane, and life changes. You see, making a ripple has a lasting impact. You know, I watched in the video when Mark Brewer was here. How many remember Mark Brewer? How many know who Mark Brewer is? How many know that Mark Brewer life had a life change at a Friday's Fridays or Chili's at a Chili's? How many know that? And how many know that that life change happened because somebody made a ripple in his life? Do you know who that was? Pastor Richie. But you don't know the rest of the story. I lived in Dallas, Texas, and every day I'd drive down Hampton and I'd buy my gas at Hampton and Bear Creek. And there's a little gas station there. I'd buy my gas. One day I went in there and the guy, the kid that was there wasn't there. So I asked the guy that was there, I said, who's Who's that kid that's normally here? And he says, he's John. I, oh, okay. So I'd go in, I'd buy my gas, and I'm walking out, I'd pay, and I'd walk away. I'd go, hey, John, see you later. And he's, you know, he, he doesn't know who I am. And so he didn't have a name tag on, and I, I did that for a long period of time. <clears throat> One day, I was sitting and went to, uh, well, we had an early morning um, campus club in room 101 at DeSoto High School. And I was there early and I saw John in the hall. And he saw me and he goes, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I'm here for this, this group that meets in 101. You should come down sometime. I said, better than that, I want to take you to Dairy Queen someday. So I picked him up one day. I made arrangements, picked him up outside of DeSoto High School. He got in my car. We drove to Dairy Queen. We're sitting there and my whole purpose was, same as Josh, right? to lead him to Jesus. We sat down, we started talking, and as we were talking, I, all of a sudden I realized this kid's a, he's a Christian. His parents go to church, small church in Waxahachie. And um, so my conversation changed, and I started asking him, I said, so uh, who are your friends that you would like to see come to know Christ? 
And so we took that napkin at that Dairy Queen and I started writing down the names of his friends. And we write down Mark Brewer. And we write down Robert Maxey. And we write down a few other names. We leave Dairy Queen and I go back to school and outside of where the athletes come out, I dropped him off and he went back inside. But before we, I dropped him off, I said, John, let's, let's just seal our time with prayer. And my friends, he prays this prayer. He says, God, thanks for sending this man into my life. He couldn't remember my name. <laughs> so my friends won't burn. You see the ripple? You see how it extends way, 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 way out. <clears throat> I've asked two of my friends to help me today. Come on, guys. Okay, Sawyer and Bradley. Okay. I want you guys to go to the aisle. I want everybody to stand. I want those on the aisle, I want you to put your hand out just like this. What they're going to do is they're going to run down the aisle and they're going to hit your hand. When they hit your hand, I want you to sit down, okay? So when I say go, do it. Go. Sit down when they hit your hand. Okay, I I don't know how many rows you have, but I'm thinking 15 rows deep, 16 rows deep. So that's 32 people and 32 people, right? So that's if 32 people were to reach one person. So if we walked out of here and we said, okay, we're going to reach one person. I want everybody to stand. This time what I want you to do, I'm going to do the same thing. But this time I want the person, everybody needs to squeeze together, okay? So everybody squeeze together. Move, you don't have to move into the aisle, but squeeze together. Squeeze this way, sir. Go that way. Oh, yeah, you're good, okay? And then what I want, this is an illustration I don't think you'll ever forget because you'll probably never see it again because I've never seen it, but it works, okay? When the guys touch your hand, I want you to touch the person next to you. And then when you touch the next person, I want you to sit. Okay? So let's do it. Go. Does anybody know what happened? That's a ripple. It's not going to just happen. So my challenge to you this morning is really simple. When it counts to be in a ripple and starting a ripple, there's somebody in your world that needs it this week. Not next week, not four months from now, now. Will you bow your heads with me? 
There might be somebody here this morning, you, you don't even know what we're talking about. We're talking about God and knowing God, and, and, and that's the farthest thing right now from you. You just wandered in here this morning, and you don't, you don't know the God I was talking about. But you know, Dan, that God you talked about seems pretty like somebody I'd like to get to know. And you would just say, that's me. Would you remember me in prayer? Maybe you're here this morning, and you know what? You haven't shared your story for a really, really long time because you were either afraid or you didn't know how. Because you always thought you had to tell this religious story. I'm just telling you, tell your story and tie God to it and watch what will happen. Or maybe when you hear the word discipleship or when you hear the word mentor or whatever, it scares the living daylights out of you. Because you don't even know where to start. I want to tell you, you can do this. 